Hello and welcome to the Confessions of a Rock and Roll Cameraman Podcast, Season 1, Episode 1. I'm uh, Pat Canavan and I'm going to be in conversation with Tony Wanamaker, cameraman extraordinaire. Very kind of you. Well, hey, Tony, um, a couple of things we have to do first off the top, yep. because it's our first uh, show. We want to be able to get people to come to our website rockandrollcameraman.com or cornrc.com, confessions of a rockandrollcameraman.com. And we want you to subscribe because when you subscribe to the mailing list, we're going to send you out a medley of the 80s copy of Tony's uh, book, just a small portion of the medley of the 80s. And we'll also get you a uh, discounted autograph copy when the full book is available. Tony, I'm really glad you offered me this opportunity to join you on a podcast and talk about all of these things that you do and have done as a cameraman, the things you've seen. Thank you, Pat. The experiences yeah. you've had. Like it's, I've known Tony for some time, and I got to tell you, it's a fantastic, fantastic experience his life. So I'm, I'm really blessed Thank to be you. here. Thank you, humbled. Yeah. That's, 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 that's fantastic. Yeah. And, and, and that was really the premise for writing the book, Confessions of Rock and Roll Cameraman Pat. I thought it would, would have been a shame if I had all of these, uh, these unique experiences and didn't share it. And some of it, you could, you could coin it, oh, that's rock and roll history. Uh, some others can say, wow, you were at the crossroads of a certain movement. But uh, I like to say, man, I was that, uh, you know, that kid out of a basement uh, from small Picton, Ontario, uh, who uh, made good in the big city. And uh, had a chance to, to share these unique experiences, travel to 47 countries on, on seven continents and meet everybody from uh, Johnny Cash to uh, Mick Jagger. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And up close and personal, Pat. It was really cool. Yeah. And we're going to have many more episodes uh, that get in depth. But right now, let's find out a bit more about Tony Wanamaker. Who's Tony Wanamaker? What makes him tick? And how he got started. So, uh, Tony... First of all, Wanamaker. Yeah. Cool last name. Yeah. yeah. What, what, tell me, what's the origins of the name Wanamaker? Well, uh, I'd, like, I'd like to be able to answer that, but I can tell you that it worked for me in high school. See, with a name like Wanamaker, you change the K, the H, and it's, it's a natural opening line. Maybe it doesn't work most of the time, but it usually gets a laugh, and women seem to like laughing. <laughs> wow. Okay, so high school. Yeah. yeah. High school. Yeah. So that's, that's formative. Where did you go? I went to Northern Secondary High School, and uh, Northern Secondary, I stand corrected. And uh, yeah, I started in photography at 16 years old. I can remember going to Maple Leaf Gardens, man, to shoot David Bowie. And I used to photograph rock stars, and because uh, I liked hanging out in the dark room, I would print uh, photographs for friends. I wish I had some of those to this day. It would be amazing. But I gave them out randomly. Cool shots that I was playing with and doing all kinds of stuff in post. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so you were in high school and that's where you got the photo bug? Is that how you got the bug? Yeah. It, no. Yeah. That actually comes back. Uh, I think I went to a global show with Norm Crosby who had a show and it was on a studio. Some folks may remember just off Young Street uh, near St. Clair. And uh, when I saw this, it, it, it's called a crane, and it's on track. When I saw that swoop in, right, and a camera on it, it just seemed to, right there I knew. It's, it's probably uh, analogous to uh, pilots who were out in the prairies and see a jet going by, and they go, you know what, I'm going to fly uh, a CF-18. That's what I'm going to And so that moment hit me. Wow, okay. Yeah. All right, so then how do you go from high school 
into the world of city TV? Uh, the short story is I tried to go to college and the first time I did terrible. I wasn't in the game. Uh, I, I had to drop out. Uh, it's, it was, it was terrible. It was a terrible time. Uh, a real dilemma. Uh, anyhow, I well, was, how, how old are you? Uh, good question, Pat. I'm probably in my late teens. I think 18, 19 now. And, uh, I'm feeling miserable. I took a job of working at a gas bar overnight. Oh, and a chance to be with my thoughts. And uh, then and lo and behold, a guy comes in one night and he shoves a nine millimeter handgun in my head. He holds his hand right there. And he says, don't fuck around. Give me all your money. And all I saw, all I saw was the barrel of that handgun. And I could tell you with great detail what it looked like when I told that in the investigation, the police officer. So I made the call. Uh, and next thing, the police arrived. But... Uh, one guy had a shotgun on me. And the other guy had a thirty-eight in the back of my head. They thought I was the perpetrator. So I survived that. And on the drive home from the police station with my dad, Pat, I swore to myself, I said, I'm not going to waste another minute in my life. I'm done. This is it. You know, it's too precious. Because I was almost done at 19 for $86.50. Wow. Yeah. Wow, so that's what, that's what you had until. That's exactly what I had. Oof. So I turned it around. And, uh, and what happened, Pat, is I went back to college. This time, I'm 4.0 high honor student, different perspective. And there was one great thing, Pat, is that uh, they had a, a broadcast quality TV camera, which meant any pictures I took at college could actually go professionally on air. Oh. When that light bulb went off, that camera lived in my car. And I had wow. a really cute little green gremlin car. It was awesome. But yeah, it stayed in the back hatch. Wait. Yeah. So... So you went to college, which one? I went to what Seneca college? college first. Okay. And, um, and it was also the college that I had to drop out and I went back and, and this time was triumphant. Yeah. And uh, years later, believe it or not, after a while I'm raising three girls, living in Belleville, working full-time at Much Music, shooting music videos uh, in beer spots, I ended up going, deciding I'm going back to school. So I went to York University and I graduated with a uh, uh, fine arts major and a minor in psychology. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So let's, let's get back to Seneca College. Yes. So yeah. <clears throat> um, I know you work greatly with, uh, with your wife, uh, Rhonda. Yeah. Were you together with her at that point? Oh, yeah. Rhonda and I have been together ever, ever since. And those of you who understand music, you'd understand she's my Yoko Ono. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, she looks after me, man. Uh, I've always thought I was the one looking after her. That's not true. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you're together with her. Yep. You're now at Seneca College. Do you have any kids at this point? Or? No, no children. Uh, and Rhonda and I, uh, I was a disco guy. <laughs> and uh, I would work all week and spend my money just to hang out with Ron all weekend. And uh, I, I, uh, one situation, I went to stay with her. at a, We wanted to extend our weekend. We were staying at hotels, and I spent all my money. And I had enough money left to go and buy a hot dog that we could split. Nice. You got you to have sustenance, man. <laughs> 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 that's yeah. your loaves and fishes right right <laughs> <laughs> have as much ketchup as yeah. you'd like yeah. yeah wow okay so yeah. that's great yeah so now you've got a girl a gremlin <laughs> yeah green gremlin <laughs> and a and a professional camera that's correct okay yeah yeah so <laughs> you know three pillars so what happens well this is a three-quarter inch tape that and i had just enough money as a student to buy and I bought it because anything I record on it, I kind of own it, right? Made sense. So imagine this. I'm leaving the college. I see this triple vehicle accident on the 404 Highway, Brown Finch Avenue. Uh, it's huge. 
I'd go right back to the college to have that camera and I film this. I take it straight to City TV, Pat. Wow. And there's a lovely guy there who I end up, we'll talk about him in a while that I, have, I started a great relationship with. Yeah. And I hand this off to him and he says, well, we can't, we can't pay you. We're City TV, right? We're cheap, but beautiful. And I said, okay. And I said, no, 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 I don't want any money. Mention my name. Right. Mention my name. So that night it went on the air, Seneca College student, Tony Wanamaker. And I started doing this very often. Uh, got called to the president's office of the college. Uh, in short, he basically said they're looking the other way. And hey, by the way, thanks for that mention on TV. Uh, keep up the good work. So I own the camera now the rest of the year. Nobody ever got it. Wow. I just kept it buried. And I kept shooting all this stuff. And finally, Pat, shot a story on neo-Nazis in Canada. Quite a striking, profound story. Okay. Uh, anyway, long story short there, and uh, lo and behold, <laughs> I remember telling my mother, if I'm not home at a certain time, call the police. Well, poor girl, left her in pandemonium the whole night. But uh, yeah, it was uh, striking, but I went back and they said, no, no, this time we're going to hire you. I went, what? And they go, yeah, we're going to hire you part-time, but you're going to work full-time. Right? No, no. Okay. I get it. I'm at City. Uh, great break. And uh, that's, that's how I, I got into the business. So you, yeah. you did this pretty uh, intense story. Yes. And then they just decided that you got the guts. Uh, I'm not sure what they were factoring in. They just knew that of all these kids out there, there's this guy banging on my door yeah. who, uh, who, was, who, who was doing it. And here's the material. You know, like you don't have to look at anything else but the product. And uh, right. I'm supplying you now. The great thing about shooting blood and guts, and that's what we call it when we're night stalkers, it's a little colloquial term, is that it doesn't have to be good. You just oh. have to get the moment. Wow. And as a cinematographer, you're always improving your craft. So I started off as rough and ready. It was verite, if you will, you know, uh, but it worked. That's all they cared. Because nobody back then, Pat, you understand, they had a six o'clock broadcast. Everybody had a six o'clock standard broadcast news. Right. Um, after that, everybody's in bed. And by three o'clock, nobody's getting out of bed. So I'm running around late at night, listening to police band radio, hanging out at coffee shops, waiting for the call. And if I heard a blunt guts, a gun call, a fire call, uh, or Ronda and I were dating at a dance club, I'd say, hop in, drive me there, because I had a couple of drinks. Uh, I got to shoot this. Right. And that's always how And that's how, how you got started. Always how it. Yeah. Night and, stalker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's fast forward to today. Yes, sir. Um, technology has advanced. Oh. You showed me the tape. That's a, what kind of tape is that? That's a three quarter inch, beautiful analog composite signal, which means it's just Barely gets a picture. So, so no that's resolution. even that's even before Betacam and and Betacam Beta S Pen, yeah. all of that. Prior to this, it was a half inch tape that you would thread like you would on on a, on a, on a recorder. I have a recorder back here. Like a reel to reel, a reel to reel audio recorder. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was on this. It was a, called the composite signal, right? So it was a real crush signal. Uh, I would imagine there's nothing left on this. This is so old. This is from 1981. Yeah. So okay. Which is, which is great is we're doing a podcast. So yeah, what do we shoot a podcast on now? This is the, you got to love the technology. So what's happened is, so I used to have to carry this around. So, you know, I'd need a truck, right, to carry spares. But now I carry one of these. And what we're rolling on right now, we're rolling on the uh, Canon R5 and R6s. And on those cameras, now these, I, I work on my earlier model. Yeah. But on my, our 4K cameras, Pat, uh, we're running SD cards with a really high bit rate, so like 300 megabits a second, right? So we can get all the resolution we want. 
Techno nerd. Yeah. Lingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? baby. Techno nerd. Yeah. Lerd? <laughs> yeah. Techno nerd lingo. So you're working part-time at City TV. They've hired you on as one of their uh, Night Stalker <laughs> news. New 79. They actually gave me that title. Oh, right. That's right. Because City TV was, was 79 at UHF the time. UHF 79. Yeah. Right. Because it's yeah. 57 yeah. now. It's changed. Yeah. Right. You're 79. So it was, it was either Igor or 79. I went for U79. Wow. Okay. So now how long were you doing that? Uh, there's the irony. So I'm, it's amazing. I'm one of the few students graduating. I'm, I'm working three months before I graduated. Yeah. It's, it's what, what we go to school for. I'm going to actually leave college and, and enter my profession. However, I blew it, Pat. I'm only there a year, and I'm that close to being fired. I'm driving down the highway one afternoon, and my wife is now pregnant. Rhonda's pregnant. We're married. And a bunch of jokers give me a really hard time. Uh, this is road rage. I'm not excited to tell you about it, but uh, true fact. Anyways, uh, I was scared. My wife's pregnant. We pull out the side of the road, and I realized, oops, there's two guys in the front seat. They're both getting ready to get out of the car. And uh, anyways, I'm, a, I'm an advanced black belt kickboxer, mm. and uh, I was training two or three times a week, so I was a little aggressive. Uh, anyways, uh, we got in a fight, and I, I, I pummeled the first guy wasn't pretty. I, I hurt him so bad. The second guy locked the door and stayed in. So but my big problem was I had a marked vehicle. Right. So uh, I took a lot of heat. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's but I, I was a fool because I should have just never turned off the road. Simple. Right. Kind of my fault. Well, lesson learned, right? A so. big lesson. But uh, guys like uh, John Martin, I'd met, understood that this made a difference. Because remember I said I was handing off at those video cassettes? Yeah, yeah. The folks? I was handing it to John Martin, who was the 10 o'clock producer on City Pulse. So he had a little show on the side called The New Music. Okay. And I, I used that. to moonlight yeah. on that. So uh, John went, uh, this, is, this, is, this is just hogwash. This is, this is a joke. And uh, anyways, uh, within a week, I ended up leaving City because they, they had, uh, were giving me all sort of uh, penalties. And uh, I left, went to New Music, and uh, I met, wow, J.D. Roberts, man. Jeannie Becker. These are my new mentors. Amazing. Like right. the best in the business. Uh, and then a month later, I was in Trinidad shooting my first documentary, man. And I'd hardly ever flown on an airplane in my life. For, for new music. Yeah. And then I was on an airplane every week. Wow. So yeah, crazy. So John Martin, because yes, <clears throat> he's, he's a, let's talk about him for a yes. second. Yeah. Okay. Because he's, he's almost like, uh, the George Martin. Oh, that's a great. The, the Canadian George Martin of the video age. For those of you who don't know, quickly, George Martin made the difference in the Beatles. So John Lennon would come into the crazy song like, I am a walrus. And George Martin, because he had a contemporary background, he's a real producer, could say, oh, this should be at this timing, and this should be at this timing, and yeah. I can do this to meld them. And nobody else but George Martin. And he is what they call the fifth Beatle. Uh, a lot of people refer to Billy Preston, but it's George Martin. Now, let's, let's say we represent that in jacket form. Yeah, okay. Because I know you got Oh, them. yeah. Check this out, folks. I was a little guy when I started news, Pat. Thank you yeah. for this. And uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm in Back to the Future when I wear this, right? But look at this. I'm a little guy, and, and this is a little on me. So how small was I when I started? Was I making? Look at that, City eh? Pulse. Yeah, baby. Pretty amazing. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> City Pulse, but great place, by the way, to uh, to learn to shoot because you shoot every manner of possibility. 
and you really hone your skills. You really right. get a sense for documentary filmmaking. That's why I became a great documentary filmmaker. Uh, and just won two of these eyeballs. They're national awards for cinematography. Wow. Yeah. So that's terrific. That's kind of nice how that worked out. Yeah, it all started at, at City Pulse. Right. So you traded in that jacket. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then John Martin gave you what jacket? Uh, John Martin gave me, uh, basically I moved to this jacket and, uh, and the phenomenon called Much Music back in 1984, man. It was pretty cool. And this sophomore jacket, I love it because it smells a little rusty, by the way. Woo! Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is what I wore in 74, man. I was on the road trying to sell the show. Yeah, this wow. is awesome. And there was like six jackets made. I think we had two red ones, and we gave one to a politician in Prince Edward Island. And uh, yeah, that's what we wore. So I'd be out there shooting it. That makes sense at the time that Nike was sponsoring us with running shoes because people would be looking at our feet all the time when we're on stage. So it's smart. Wow. Great. But it wasn't really directly from the news too much music. No. No. So, so what, 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 what was John doing in between? Well, John Martin, I mentioned him earlier. He was the, the nighttime producer, and I think he might even still be driving cab at the same time, right, during the day. He's an amazing guy, right? He's grassroots, blue collar. Uh, this is a guy who was a repo man in Manchester, England. That's where he's from. Uh, and furthermore, he was also, for a, a, a period of time, uh, for a period of time, he was a uh, backup drummer for the band The Who, which I thought that was amazing. Wow. Yeah. Gave him some credibility as a music producer. Oh, music producer. What do you mean? He was producing a show called The New Music at the time. It was kind of a ripoff Top of the Pops, but ostensibly it was the Rolling Stone magazine on video. Oh, right? okay. So yeah, yeah was, I get it. And it worked out well. That coupled with City Limits, coupled with some of the stuff I was documentaries I was shooting at the time in Trinidad and Tobago. I was shooting Carnival, right? And we were getting really good feedback from the West Indian community. Mm -hmm. um, so when they went for a licensing in Ottawa, they got it. And again, that was totally fortuitous because we had lost the licensing, Chum City or City TV at the time, lost the licensing to become the movie network. Oh, okay. So they were vying for like licenses through the CRTC, through the Canadian yeah. government yeah. to expand yeah. the, the tiny television universe into the digital universe that was just starting. Oh, brilliant, Pat. And you have to put in context, back then there was only, it's like a couple, a handful of broadcasters. Yeah. And that was the world on VHF signal. And then we went to UHF, Channel 79, UHF. That was a big deal. But now what was happening was a cable revolution. There was, they were getting into specialty programming. So TSN, Sports Network, Weather Network, right? First Choice Super Channel, Much Music. Much Music, that's how it started. It started because of a mistake. We didn't get a license. We vied again. We got the license because we were the genuine article. We were ready. So in short, MTV comes on claiming they're the first music broadcaster. Really, I argue it was the new music. We just didn't have, at that point, a national commitment, and that came shortly, and we became Much Music. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I remember John Martin walking in, a little inebriated, and yeah. he goes, right, now we're a fucking national station. <laughs> and then he left. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The year is 1984? Or? Uh, the new music turning into Much Music. Yeah. August the uh, 31st, 1984, it happened. August the 31st. And uh, I vividly recall because uh, I saw Christopher Ward and J.D. Roberts jump through a green screen. Oh, Get on with it here. All right. All right. 
right. Heck of a way to start a rock and roll show. Yeah, that's a little bit of a snappy opening, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I'm J.D. Roberts. I'm Christopher Ward. And they jumped through the screen, and that was the beginning, the auspicious beginning of Much Music. It was awesome. I would have loved to have been there to, to, to see that. Because... It was amazing, Pat, because right off the bat, I was sent out on the road, and we did a tour called Sleep is for Wimps Tour. That's what we called it, right? And we were three guys. Yeah. And young with uh, credit cards and, uh, and a bar fridge and so, uh, in every hotel. So it was pretty spectacular, but I got the chance to see Sea to Shining Sea and started meeting a lot of Canadians. on. And I really, it was a wonderful time because I really, I connected with this country, man. I really saw it. I saw the great vistas in the prairies, Rocky yeah. Mountains, East Coast, any time out in Vancouver Island, uh, Yellowknife up in north in Iqaluit, uh, amazing opportunities, amazing connectivity with our country. And, you know, a lot of people said, you travel a lot, Tony. You've been a lot of places. Where do you like going? I said, with all due respect, my backyard, Canada. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. There's so, so much to see, Pat. There's Seriously. so much to see. Yeah. And you got, to, you got to see it on somebody else's dime through the lens. <laughs> I said that once, and Moses, I, I quite like Moses and I. We're good friends. He's a great guy. I have tons of respect for him. He was a mentor, as well as John Martin. Sure. And I stopped Moses in the hallway once. We were talking, and uh, I cut in. And I said, well, you got to love it, man. I said, I spent a million bucks on travel. And he goes, what? And I said, yeah, you're a million. <laughs> he was like, Fair enough. Did he give you another million? <laughs> God, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah, a million dollars. And that's the 80s. So, yeah. And, and I guess the other thing is we really have to capture the mood, right? Yes. Because videos were just becoming a thing. They, yeah. they hadn't. Like because of the technology, because of three quarter inch uh, video, I suppose, and film. Yeah. Right. A lot yeah. of the videos were done. The shooting on film. in film was a high flutin method to shoot a music video. Right. If you're really posh, you did it in video. You did it in film. I, I did your. I did Pat's video, and 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 we did it in film. It's true. It black and white. awesome man i came back from a, a lighting course in rockport maine 1989 and i was pumped man i've been working out i was ready to shoot a movie and uh it was beautiful pat's uh, project happened to drop in my lap lovely guy great musician and uh that was a very successful video it was awesome it was and that's euphoria's don't take it away yeah it was yeah, number yeah. 12 on the uh, RPM Canadian hit wow. chart for 16 weeks. That's a big deal. Yeah. Nice, yeah, man. Yeah, And then nice. we followed it up. But the cinematic look of that yes. was stellar. Yeah. It was absolutely Thank stellar. You, yeah. But let's get back to you traveling across the country because seeing Canada through the lens and, yeah. and I guess you were on like a, because it was all new. Yeah. And so fresh in people's minds. Yeah. I mean, you weren't running around with a phone that had no. 4K. No, that's you're, a good point. You were talking, you're talking about like a giant boom box. It was huge. It was like a, it was like a two-ton anvil, I call it, because, or the two-ton pencil. Yeah. Both, works both ways. But yeah, so the first one time I went out, I carried a camera and it had a separate recorder, so I had to carry it over here. Oh, so really? I had all of this. These were the tape cassettes that I mentioned. The batteries are, were probably about the same size. Yeah. We're very heavy. Uh, and that's what we went around. But then finally, when the, bat, the beta camp came in, 
A little bit after we launched, a little after 84, it was a big deal. It was a high-performance machine, and people loved to see what we had. And it looked pretty cool for us because it was Vanguard technology. And we had went from three-quarter inch to Betacam tapes. Still analog, but a much better color processing thing was happening. So right. Good. Right. Yeah. So now you're at 99 Queen Street East. Yep. Right, between Church and Jarvis in Toronto. It's not the big place yet. No, it's... It's a little dance club, the little black building. I love it. And so is, is that where they where, where JD and, and Chris jumped out of the green screen at that location? Uh, yes, that's correct. So what had happened, we acquired a building that was adjacent to 99 Queen. Uh, I guess they found out that the fourth floor was available and we punched the hole through the wall. Okay. And later when we talk about the 80s, I'll talk about Duran Duran specifically, the band, and how the hole was punched out and we just walked in there and I set up and I started shooting there. That later became... The, uh, the control room for uh, Much Music and the, the world headquarters. Wow. Yeah. Now, how long were you at that location as Much Music before you guys <sighs> grew too big and you had to move? Yes, and I should know that, and I'm going to guess here. I'm going to think it was the late 80s before we made the transition. We finally went to 299. Yeah, okay. Because, you know, it was ostensibly a closet we were working out of, right? I mean, when we did Toronto Rocks, Right, a show called Toronto Rocks with Brad Giffen, which is really a top of the pops kind of breakdown. Yeah. It's a it's a chump chart at that point. Uh, that was literally filmed in a closet. In a closet. Yeah. Well, we had to take the camera and go in the hallway, right? Yeah. To get the shot. Uh, but that's the space, and we made it work, right? Like we're making here. By the way, we've got three lovely ladies here that are working from Loyalist College. There were many of the cameras here. Yeah. And it's true. Uh, it is absolutely. They're working true. with new technologies. We're pretty excited about. Yeah. Well, this is, this is great. This, and this is a great way to um, sort of wrap up because that was your beginnings. And now we're talking about some other people who are just beginning their career. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Nice, uh, you nice, know, nice and connection. so, you know, it's, it, it's, um, it's a great circle of life. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to wrap up our first episode wow. with that. And I want to thank you all for tuning in. Please uh, like and subscribe on YouTube and subscribe to us on uh, Apple Podcast. And remember, hashtag CornRC, Confessions of a Rock and Roll Cameraman, and Confessions of a Rock and Roll Cameraman.com or CornRC.com. Thanks for tuning in, Thank Tony. You, awesome, man. Thank you. Nice start. First one in the can. Long yeah. time coming, folks. Long time coming. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.